Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And now, move the sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. This is the Move the Six Takeaway Pod, and uh, Buck, man, we've got our ten takeaways to jump to. Again, this is the uh, this is the format we used on this thing. There's no chitter chat. There's no chit chat at the top here. There's no happy talk. Let's just <laughs> jump right in and start us off here. What do you think? Here we go. I'm ready to go. And the first thing that comes to mind for me, the Vikings are legit contenders. Keenum shotgun takes the snap. Big blitz by the Rams. So Keenum passes left. Caught by Thielen. 50, 40, 30. And it's loose. Touchdown. Case Keenum just shot a dagger right through the heart of his former team. You know, DJ, when I look at the Minnesota Vikings, they are built the right way. And I really don't think it matters whether they have a a marquee quarterback or not. This team has all of the pieces in place to make a deep postseason run. When you look at their defense, they can rush the passer with or without the blitz. They can lock down on the outside with Xavier Rhodes and company. They have playmakers at linebacker with Eric Kendricks. And then when you go to the offensive side of the ball, they can run the ball at will, they're beginning to show. 171 yards today against a very, very good Rams team. And then the passing game is emerging. Adam Thielen has been the number one, but we know he and Stephon Diggs, to me, are kind of like one of the best two com- one-two combinations on the perimeter. And Case Keenum is doing just enough to make enough plays to allow this offense to be balanced. They look great. How about Thielen taking a little hitch? Uh, just hitch, just roll out of it. 65 yards later, he's gone. I mean, that's that's what you dream of as a quarterback, to get some of these easy throws and, and watch what these talented receivers do after the catch. I think if you look at the four units in this game, Buck, um, man, I thought, look, the Vikings offensively and defensively lived up to the billing. They were, they were outstanding. 
I thought the Rams defensively was the disappointment to me. I think offensively, you look at look, they score seven points. You think they just must have been terrible. But you have Cooper Cup fumble going into the end zone. They kind of shot themselves in the foot a couple times. I still think once they play these elite teams like this, they're going to be able to score points. I just don't know if that defense right now, especially you look in the back end, uh, if they're going to be able to, to make a deep run. When you look at how the NFC is set up with the way the Eagles can put the ball in the air, you see the Vikings with those two receivers you just mentioned that they just saw in this game. And you look obviously with the Saints, what they can do down the field. So uh, secondary to me, a little bit of a concern there uh, with the Rams. Yeah, it's a big concern with the Rams because you have to be able to lock people up in, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, be it man-to-man, be it zone. The top teams in the NFC East all can cover. They all can find a way to really take away what you want to do offensively. And with the Rams, I just don't know if they have the firepower in the back end to be able to lock people down. Whereas when I look at the Vikings, even if Xavier Rhodes goes out, and I don't think Trey Waynes is necessarily an A-level player. I think he's probably a B player at this stage in his career. It doesn't matter. The Vikings are able to kind of mix in their coverages. They can get consistent pressure on you uh, with the Neil Hunter, Everson Griffin, those guys quicken the clock in the quarterback's head. And we saw for the first time in a long time, we saw Jerry Goff kind of get battered in the pocket. They can do that against any team. And looking at the landscape in the NFC, if you don't have that ability to knock people around in the pocket, you're going to have a tough time uh, being one of the last teams standing at the end because every team that's a legit contender on this side has that ability. Yeah, look, the NFC is shaping up. It's going to be fun to watch this uh, playoff race come down the stretch second half of the season here. A lot of good teams. The Vikings definitely right there in the mix. All right, nice takeaway. Let's get to, to my first one here. Let's go Tom Brady just making it look way too easy. Brady takes the shotgun snap at first and 10. Lobs it oh. down the right side for a wide open Cooks. Catches at the 30th stride. Adios to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. That's my fantasy guy this week. Brandon Cooks on a streak, and it's a quick snap to Brady. Brady knew where he was going. He almost dropped the football, regripped it, and fired it. Yeah, look, Tom Brady, I think he just said he was on my fantasy. He was my fantasy pick there. Nice yeah, call, fantasy by the way. Fantasy fantasy team. We're all, Kurt, we're all concerned about your fantasy squad. Uh, look, to me, Tom Brady, I've kind of run out of words here, Buck. He, he's boringly good. It's just it's just way too easy for him. It's a different it's a different crew every week, too, in terms of who he features. This was the Brandon Cooks day. Uh, six for a buck, forty-nine and a touchdown. So th- it was his. It was his day. Some weeks you you flip on the tape and watch the Patriots, and they live with their backs out of the backfield. Uh, today it was it was all about Brandon Cooks and Amendola having big days. Yeah, I mean the thing about the Patriots, they're the ultimate chameleon. They can change styles, uh, quarter to quarter. Uh, they can do whatever they need to do to take advantage of your biggest weakness. Today was a Brandon Cooks day because the Raiders don't really have a marquee player in the back end. They lack speed and explosiveness in the back end. And when you have a guy like Brandon Cooks, who's the ultimate vertical receiver, a playmaker who can take the top off the defense but also run all the short and intermediate routes, yeah, it's advantageous to take advantage of him on those vertical throws. They did that today. Brandon Cooks had a monster game. And you're right, Tom Brady makes it look easy because there's nothing that you can do from a defensive standpoint that he hasn't seen and developed a counter to handle. All right, what do you got? Uh, what's takeaway number three here, Buck? What you know, got? this is a surprising takeaway because in a loss, I came away very, very impressed with Blaine Gabbert. I think he could be the Cards quarterback one in 2018. Shotgun snap to Gabbert, back to throw, pumps left, now throws it deep, far side, back shoulder, caught by Seals Jones at the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. 
He had never had a touchdown before. Today has two in this game. You know, this was a very, very solid performance for Blaine Gabbert. I know when people box score scout, they're going to see the two interceptions. Those two interceptions came late. But for most of the day, Blaine Gabbert kept the Cardinals in the game and really had them kind of in the, in the driver's seat in terms of the way they were able to control the game. 22 for 34, 257 yards. He had three touchdowns on the day. And I saw a guy who was more confident, more composed, and really very at ease in Bruce Arians' system. I could see a scenario where the Arizona Cardinals go into next season saying that if Carson Palmer isn't there, rather than take a chance on a 2018 quarterback in the draft, I think they could go all in on Blaine Gabbert and say that we will resurrect his career and allow him be the starter going forward. I think worst case scenario for Blaine Gabbert is he's going to be the bridge quarterback. You know, I, I think he looks like he will be the quarterback for this football team next year. And whether or not he can earn that job full time and go into the future or whether or not he's going to keep the seat warm for whoever they draft, uh, I think he does definitely factor into their plans. And look, this guy was picked in the first round. And we talk about that draft and how those guys were overpicked, overselected. It was, uh, it was Ponder, it was Gabbard, and it was uh, Jay Locker. Uh, Locker, Jake Locker, right? all in that same draft. But look, Gabbert has the tools, the size, the arm strength, the athletic ability. That's off the charts. The big knock on him in Jacksonville was he got a little bit a little bit timid once he started getting some heat on him, got some pressure. His eyes would continually drop. I think we're seeing a little bit tougher version of Blaine Gabbert. That's a good sign. Uh, and I think he's continuing to grow. I think there have been some moments in San Francisco where you saw him take that step where he would make some plays. But it's all about the consistency. I'm curious to see what a quarterback whisperer like a Bruce Arians can do to see if he can get all of that talent that we saw maybe when he was coming out of the draft, see if he can get it out and get it to play consistently between the lines. All right, let's, uh, let's get to my next point here. I'm just going to tell you the topic, and then I'll let the, the clip play, and then I'll tell you what my takeaway is. Let's just go a topic of Brett Hundley. Hundley takes the snap and rolls to his left. Now to his right, sets up and wobbles one to the right, and it's intercepted again. Eric Weddle intercepted it. That's two possessions and two interceptions for Brett Hundley. You know, it's it's uh, it's one thing. You know, look, you can say you're a professional singer, and that's a cool thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's always a guy that stands at the front of the stage, Buck, and then there's those little, little background singers that they have off in the background. <laughs> Technically, you're professional. You get to go around on the tour. You get to, you get to play in these big stadiums. You get to hold a microphone. You get to sing. But there's a reason why some guys stand up front and other guys are backups. And to me, Brett Hundley, just with what we've seen, this is a decent sample size now. It's two touchdowns, seven picks so far, holding the ball. Some of the same issues we saw uh, in college, they sur they're surfacing again at the NFL level. Takes six sacks today against the Baltimore Ravens, three turnovers. Um, he's a backup. I mean, I, I just he, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. He, to me, is, is proving himself that he is a backup. He's been in the system for long enough where he should be able to be productive right now, and it's not happening. No, not not when you compare him to some of the other backup quarterbacks that have played for the Packers and had success. Matt Flynn came in and actually looked like a, a marquee player potentially in this system. We've seen other quarterbacks under Mike McCarthy's watch. I think Scott Tolzien had a little success at the quarterback. Brett Hunkley has struggled in every start and every situation that he's had the opportunity to play this year. He has not looked like a frontline player. And so I think you have to look at Brett Hundley, and we saw the progress that he made in the preseason. But right now, all those issues that we may have had with Hundley back at UCLA, they've shown up, whether it's holding the ball, staring down receivers, um, not necessarily wanting to use his athleticism as a main tool. He has tried to play the position 
maybe the way that they want it played in Green Bay. It just hasn't worked out for them. And so you're right. He may be relegated to being a quarterback to the rest of his career. Yeah, that's just uh, that look, that's people say it's an overreaction. I think that I think we've seen a little bit of a sample size here. This Green Bay Packers team getting shut out at home for the first time since 2006. Uh, man, Ravens were all over them. The Ravens defense was outstanding in this game. Joe Flacco still a little bit uneven, um, but they did a nice job. Mike Wallace made a couple big plays for the Ravens, and this really was all about their defense. Matt Judon, a couple sacks. Willie Henry, a couple sacks. Terrell Suggs, a couple sacks. You have three guys with the, the, the pickup, a, a daily double there in the sack column. You're doing something right. So big day for the Ravens defense. What do you got next, Buck? Drew Brees is still a closer. Here's Breeze, well protected, going to throw, and it's bobbled, but then caught by Kamara, and he goes into the end zone. He bobbled it and then caught it, and he does a Florida leap in the Gerard Street end zone for an 18-yard score. He's the special man. Let him have it. You know, it's funny when you think about the New Orleans Saints, and I'll I'll be on record saying this, and I've said this about Drew Brees. He's no longer what he was in his prime, but he still remains the guy. In the last two minutes of the game, if you have the ball, you had number nine as your quarterback, you believe he can get it done. He showed that again today. When you look at the last two drives of the New Orleans Saints, he was 11 for 11, 164 yards, two touchdowns. Drew Brees no longer has to carry this team, but he's still good enough in a pinch. If they need to put it on his shoulders, he can do it in a short-term stint. He is a closer. You think about Mariano Rivera being able to take the ball come out of the bullpen and shut it down, Drew Brees can finish games because he's done it, continues to do it, and he has that special skill that lifts and raises the play of all of his teammates. I'll tell you what, though. I'm looking at the, this Saints team and, and looking at Brees just from purely from an arm strength standpoint. Buck, you're right. I don't think his arm's anywhere near where it was a few years back. He gets by with anticipation, with timing, and just, just being in te- and incredibly bright uh, on the football field. My thing with this team, I think home field advantage is huge. We look at the the battle between them and Philadelphia going down the stretch. If those two teams were to meet, what a difference the environment would be if you're the New Orleans Saints playing that game at home versus having to go on the road in Philadelphia in cold weather. I think that is going to be a huge storyline to follow down the stretch. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And when you think about when the Saints have been at their best, they've had a tremendous home field advantage. Uh, If the New Orleans Saints are able to continue to build upon what they've started to this point, but to get home field, it is hard to deal with them in that Superdome. And so, yeah, I I do believe it's quite an advantage. And I think between those two teams, Philly and New Orleans, the team that has home field certainly is the team that you want to kind of pencil in to be your Super Bowl representative from the NFC. I'm with you on that one. Let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. Uh, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but Miami, yeah, you, uh, you belong in the quarterback market next year. Cutler has it intercepted. It is picked off by Quan Alexander, and he takes it down to the 10-yard line. Yeah, this is uh, this is a rough one for Jay Cutler. Ends up getting a concussion in this game. Three picks in the first half. He comes out. Matt Moore came in. Was actually pretty good. Played well. 17 of 28, uh, 282 yards and a touchdown. Brought them back in this football game. They ended up losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just think when you look at this team, Buck, obviously Cutler, this is a one and done for him. They, they, they kind of pulled him out of the straight out of the broadcast booth, and that has not worked out. So he's done. That's a one and done. Matt Moore has proven himself to be a really, really good backup quarterback, but that's really what he is at this stage in his career. And then to me, Ryan Tannehill, see if you're with me on this one. Ryan Tannehill to me is kind of, 
it's getting close to getting into that that Sam Bradford territory of okay, we all acknowledge he's got some ability and some skill, but you can't go into a season counting on him. And and you look at the money that he's making, it's a it's a team I think if you're picking high up in the draft, which they're sitting at four and six, there's a good chance they're way up there. They have to consider taking a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, I think they have to consider taking a quarterback because you're right when it comes to Ryan Tannehill. We have seen what he is. And to be honest, he hasn't been available the last year and a half, and it's not necessarily his fault that he suffered a couple of injuries, but he hasn't been on the field. And when you're playing that kind of money to a franchise quarterback, the one thing that you expect is a franchise quarterback to show up week in, week out. And so if you're the Miami Dolphins, you're doing a little inventory, you're looking and assessing all of the needs of the team, I do believe you have to do – yourself a solid and evaluate the quarterback and see if you can find better, particularly if you finish with a top 10, maybe a top five pick, you have to weigh the quarterbacks that could be available to you in the 2018 draft versus what you've seen and what you think you can continue to see from Ryan Tannehill. All right. Say you're sorry. Now, right now you say you're sorry to Ryan Fitzpatrick, all those shots you took at him today on NFL game day. He did somehow manage to get a W, but I feel like with five more minutes, he was going to kind of see it. My way. <laughs> I feel like I was just five more minutes away from Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back, but I will acknowledge that the Harvard graduate, the the Harvard graduate, was able to get the dub. Hats off to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm just upset he only threw to the other Harvard guy one time, Cameron Braid. There he threw to him three times. Only one catch though for 12 yards. I thought we were gonna have a Harvard connection there. It did not happen. But uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, hats off to you, the Bucks. They get to four and six right now. So uh, that's it. that's an interesting one, Buck. The uh, what do we got here? What's next on the list? The New York Giants. Yeah, here we go. I'm up. I think I'm up. The New York Giants haven't quit on Ben McAdoo. Manning takes the snap. They bring pressure. He's going to lob one down the left sideline, and the pass is caught at the three by Lewis. Now, was he contacted down? There's a flag on the play. Pass interference or touchdown, one or the other. Look at this catch. He was interfered with. What a catch. You know, the New York Giants surprised everybody and getting a big win against a Kansas City Chief team coming off of a bye, that simply doesn't happen. And so when I look at the Giants and who was available to them at wide receiver, you're talking about Lewis, Tavares King, Travis Rudolph, nobody. uh, Running back, they had Orleans Darkwell. This was a team that had every reason to shut it down, to pack it in, uh, so many of us in the media have said that they, they were awful, they need to blow everyone out the building, but yet they came and they stood up. And in playing the way that they played, suggests to me, Ben McAdoo still has their voice, and he certainly helped it by meeting with players individually, continuing to try and hash out whatever the differences were between coaches and players. I give him credit because I didn't think he had that in him, but they showed signs of progress in a very, very ugly win, but they did win their second win today. Yeah, look, I look at this roster and that that group you just mentioned, I have no idea. I mean, look, they didn't score a bunch of points. There's 12 points for this team here, so it wasn't like there was a bunch of touchdowns flying around the field. Uh, but they found a way to get the job done, and I think you do have to give everybody there some credit. I'm just telling you where the New York Giants' expectations were coming into the season, even with all the injuries, sitting here at 2-8. and eight, uh, that's, a, that's a nice win, but that is nowhere near expectation in that town, and I think... Ben McAdoo needs to rack up another another bunch of these things here. I, I'd say, look, what do you think he needs to get? Let's, let's just real talk here. For him to save his job, they're 2-8 and eight right now. They need to finish up the season at what in order for him to survive? Uh, I think if he can get to 5-11 and 11 or 6-10, and 10, I think he, he can save his job. I think the big thing is seeing how they finish down the stretch. 
if I'm Ben McAdoo, if I'm the Giants staff, I'm looking at this, I'm encouraged by the defense standing up and playing. Because the last two games, the defense didn't show up. We we saw the shoddy tackling. We saw the inconsistent effort they displayed in those two games. This game against a high-powered offense or an offense that we thought was high-powered, they shut them down. They did a really good job of getting turnovers, three interceptions, knocked the quarterback around a little bit, made the plays they need to make. If they can kind of somehow push themselves to 6-10, and ten, I think McAdoo can save a lot of people's uh, jobs. Yeah, I think 6 is the number. I think 6, you've got hope there's a chance. I think if you're 5-11, and 11, that's probably all she wrote. I think you got to get at least to the number 6, and I don't know if that's going to be good enough at the end of the day, but uh, good good luck. It's a good win for them. The Kansas City Chiefs are reeling. They've lost 4 of 5 and you're starting to start here those uh, Mahomes whispers a little bit, Buck. I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to see how they deal with this next next couple weeks. If they can't get the ship righted, I, I do think there's a chance we see Pat Mahomes before the end of the year, which is crazy because we're talking about Alex Smith is MVP candidate after the first handful of weeks of the season. Yeah, and I don't think Alex is necessarily playing bad. Like today, he had his first multi-interception game. He had two interceptions. We hadn't seen him One of them was the on a shovel pass. I, I mean, know. that was. I mean, we hadn't seen him turn the ball over. But, yeah, like – the people that love Alex Smith will continue to support him. The people that hate him, this is an opportunity for them to maybe pull the plug. I will say this about the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, all the credit we gave them offensively for their creativity and uh, the gadgetry that they were using early in the season, it backfired on them today. I think the serious issues come from this team. They have to be able to run the ball consistently. And in the last four or five games, we haven't seen Kareem Hunt be the difference maker that he was early in the year. I think the big thing next week in the in the planning, they have to figure out a way that where they can get Kareem Hunt untracked so Alex Smith doesn't have to be the driving force of the offense. I love Alex Smith, but I don't like him when he has to throw 40 times a game. Yeah, no, that's not a uh, that's not a recipe for success for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, we've got three takeaways left. Before we get to those, though, real quick, the 2018 Pro Bowl vote is here. It's time to vote for your favorite NFL players to play in the 2018 Pro Bowl in Orlando. Vote now, nfl.com slash Pro Bowl vote. So you can go check that out. Go vote for your favorite players uh, game in Orlando this year. It's always a little uh, little different. I prefer Hawaii, but, you know, we do Orlando every now and then. That's all right. Uh, be, be sure to get online and vote for your favorite player. All right, let's, uh, let's get to uh, this is number eight on the list. This one, to me, Buck, is kind of an interesting conversation. I'll just Put it out there. Speed overrated at the running back position. And off Mark Ingram. Ingram, he's up to midfield. He's still running to the 41-yard line or thereabouts of the Redskins. D.J. Swearinger eventually brings him down. A 20-yard burst by Mark Ingram. You know, Buck, I, I feel like I, I have to learn the same lessons over and over again. When you're scouting, you always, you're always studying what you got right, what you got wrong, and you're always trying to to self-evaluate and man, I, I write this down all the time and this is not in regards to these specific players, but it's just always a good reminder when you're scouting the running back position, forget the clock. The clock is so overrated. It's about vision. It's about balance. It's about short area quickness. And today was a good reminder that when you see guys like Samaj P. Ryan going over hundred yards, Mark Ingram going over hundred yards, Jordan Howard going over hundred yards, you see Alfred Morris coming close to hundred yards, filling in for Ezekiel Elliott. These are not speed merchants, Buck, but these guys have excellent vision, balance, power, and they get the job done at the next level. Don't get carried away with the clock at that position. And I think that's an important lesson for everyone to learn. So much of the conversation will turn to 40 times and explosiveness and what do they look like when it comes to the big plays and being able to do it. And that has little 
to do with really playing a position well. It's about the vision, the balance, the body control, the ability to run through contact. And now, in today's game, it's the versatility. Can you catch the ball out the backfield? So, yes, speed is a small part of the evaluation. You have to make sure that you keep it in perspective. Look for guys who have more uh, traits that can bring more to the table because those are the guys that can do it, and it doesn't matter how fast they are. All right, let's, uh, let's get rolling here. Number nine on the list, what we got? The Chargers are the best team in the AFC West. Shotgun snap. Peterman fades back, and he slings it to the far left. Intercepted. Picked off by Trevor Williams. He races up the 40, the 45, and gets knocked down there. That's five interceptions for Nathan Peterman, and the Chargers have their defense to the end zone. You know, DJ, the familiar theme when I'm looking for teams that are built for the postseason, uh, they have the ability to run the ball. They have a defense that is lights out, that has the ability to rush the passer. They can create turnovers. And then they have a veteran quarterback who, if he needs to, he can put it on their shoulders. I'm looking at the charges in comparison to the rest of the team in this division. They check off all of those boxes, and they appear to be a team that has found their identity, and they're beginning to play the game the right way going down the stretch. Now, I think people might scoff at that when they think of how the Chargers started, and you talk about them being the best team in the division. But, Pucky, as I look at the standings here, Kansas City 6-4, and four, the Chargers tied with the Raiders at 4-6, and six, just a couple games behind the Chiefs, and the Chiefs team that's lost 4-5 in their reeling. And I think when, you again, you look at how this roster is constructed, I think you'll start to see Phillip Rivers get more and more confident, more and more comfortable with some of the new pieces he has around him. But to me, this is all about that Chargers defense, which has got a chance. Oh, look, they're right now they're playing at elite level, and I think that's only going to crank up. Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at this defense and the way that they are built, Joey Bosa on one edge, Melvin Ingram off the other edge, you have Casey Hayward in the back in the, in the secondary being able to pick off passes. This team has the right stuff. We talk about it being a passing league and how your defense has to be built to defend the pass. They have that. Each of these sack artists can go for two or three sacks on their own accord. And Joey Bosa's disruption at the point of attack, be it creating forced fumbles, be it quickening the clock in the quarterback's head, be it taking the quarterback down, he is a nightmare to defend. And to have someone on the other side like a Melvin Ingram who can be just as disruptive, the Chargers are a tough out. They're a tough team to face. And, man, as they continue to get it together, they're dangerous. They're a dangerous team heading down the stretch. And Denzel Perryman being healthy for this football team is a, is a big deal, too. They missed him when he was out earlier this season. I'll flip it over real quick because we don't have this on one of our takeaway lists, but I want to just touch on this real quick. We were both pretty outspoken and kind of even almost making fun of the fact that the Bills made the decision to – to move on from Tyrod Taylor and, and to put in Nate Peterman. I remember making the crack about the fact, you know, obviously Tyrod didn't tackle well enough. He wasn't stopping the run, so that's why he had to make the change at the quarterback position, uh, tongue-in-cheek, obviously. <laughs> but this team was terrible defensively in this game. Again, that wasn't solved by taking Tyrod Taylor out. And, in fact, you could not have a worse quarterback change. I can't think of one to pull a quarterback who's playing eh, maybe not great football, but, but winning football, you could win with the way Tyrod Taylor had been playing and they had been winning. Uh, they were five and four to go to Nathan Peterman, a rookie who trots out there and buck five picks in the first half. They had to abort the plan one half in. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable to watch. And I know we can blame some of those things on the pressure that he got. He got hit some unfortunate tips and bounces, but at the end of the day, your stat line is your stat line. He did have five interceptions. And to me, I think the bigger thing is when they were in a situation where they were really forced to have to throw and the Chargers knew they had to throw, the lack of arm strength, the lack of um, 
big velocity and zip showed up because those guys squatted on his routes. They were looking to jump his stuff, and he got jittery. You have that many interceptions that early, it's not a recipe for success. And so I understand the Bills wanting to move on and maybe find if the young quarterback was their franchise guy or maybe they were moving on to 2018. But the thing is, Tyrod Taylor masked a lot of the flaws of that offensive line and some of the other issues that they had. And when they poured the plug on that experiment, it really exposed the rest of the roster and the holes that they have on it. By the way, am I reading this right? Did uh, did Tom Brady only threw two picks last year, correct? Yes. He was 28 touchdowns and two picks. This year, he's 22 touchdowns and two picks. So he threw more interceptions in one half than Tom Brady has thrown in the last two seasons combined. Yes. Yes. That's 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 incredible. I mean, I mean, it's an incredible stat. Like, look, I hate it for the young man. Fresh, uh, first start, debut. Five, five picks and a half, but he wasn't put in a great situation. And even now that we can go back, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, to think about starting him against a defense that has two yeah. elite pass rushers when you have issues at the edges just wasn't the best decision. I don't know if it was a well-thought-out plan when the Buffalo Bills decided that they wanted to go with Peterman over Tyrod Taylor. And by the way, uh, I'll get to I'll get to this next point about the Bills here. And my final point, I'll, I'll explain it here in a second. But uh, my final one here, just go ahead and print the shirts, the NFC East champ shirts. We've talked about this before, but yeah, go ahead and print those things up. The Eagles, uh, they've all but locked that up now. Wentz trying to convert on fourth down, and what a catch by Jeffrey! Alshon Jeffrey into the end zone on fourth down. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, look, the offense was great. They ran the ball for, I think, over 200 yards in this ball game. Uh, complete showing by the offense. Wentz making all kinds of plays. You saw both the free agent acquisitions scoring touchdowns and Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. But this, to me, was about two things. This was about the defensive line of the, of the Eagles dominating. And this is the other thing that we have been talking about. I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time. There's reinforcements coming that, you know, you're going to get Darby in here. He's going to come back. There's a chance you're going to get Sidney Jones, which it looks like that's going to happen. Their second round pick, but we both thought was, you know, if not the best corner in last year's draft, one of the two best corners in the draft. So Darby comes back in this game and Buck, there was no rust whatsoever. Had a nice breakup in the end zone against Des Bryant, uh, was excellent in the open field as a tackler. It's an immediate upgrade. Jalen Mills, with all that play time, is, is played at a pretty high level. He's come along and played really well. You've got the two safeties in McLeod and Jenkins who are outstanding. Now you throw a, a fresh Darby in there who's now finally healthy, and you're potentially going to bring in a Sidney Jones. I mean, this team's only going to get better. They're only going to get better. I think that's the scary part of it, the fact that Ronald Darby dislocates his ankle early. They're able to continue to win without him. He comes back. He's able to be kind of their number one corner on the outside. The pass rush that they can throw at you, we've talked about their ability to knock you around in waves. They have everything. They have everything that you can look for. Now that they've fixed the running game with Jay Ajay and LeGarrette Blunt and Corey Clement, those guys, even Kenyon Barner playing a role, they can morph styles. And I think the big thing that you have to be able to do when you play offensive football, uh, particularly a team that goes deep, is you have to be versatile enough to change styles based on how the defense is playing you and the weather conditions. The Eagles now have a weatherproof team and they have a quarterback that can take his game to an MVP level when he has to. Now, this is a rugged football team right now, and Derek Barnett played his butt off in this game, had two sacks, but, man, he was in the backfield the entire day, obviously taking his turns against Byron Bell, who's uh, in a tough spot there filling in for Tyron Smith. But 
Barnett's been doing this a lot over the last three or four weeks. He's really starting to grow. He's been great against the run, giving them some extra pass rush. I mean, they, it, we, I feel like we say it every week, they just come at you in waves up front. And once they got the lead, I, I think I tweeted it out right before they scored on defense, was this could get real ugly when you put Dallas in a must-pass situation and these pass rushers who are fresh get to pin their ears back, bad things are getting ready to happen. Yeah, bad things happen. When they know they have you in a uh... – uh, obvious passing down, the way they can get in those wide nines, they can come after the quarterback, they have a number of guys that can get there from inside and outside. Yeah, it's a problem. The Philadelphia Eagles are problematic for most teams because their front seven, and really their front four, is as dominant as they come at the point of attack. Tell you what, if I was a uh, a college team with an opening right now, or if or, you know, which there are a few, or if I was an NFL team, I think you got to at least bring in Jim Schwartz and talk to him. I mean, he has done a phenomenal job with this Eagles defense over the last couple of years. Had some winning seasons there with the Detroit Lions, inherited a mess there. Just a name to, to, to put in the back of your mind there. He's got to be in the mix for some of these jobs, doesn't he? Oh, I think we talk about the NFL cycle maybe having anywhere from six to eight jobs that may come open. When you think about Jim Schwartz and what he has been able to do, not only in Philadelphia, but going all the way back to Detroit, taking a team that was on 16, eventually getting to the point where they were able to go to the playoffs, having to take a number one quarterback and groom and develop him. He understands the way to rebuild a team. I think this situation here, being on the other end, where he's seen what the Eagles were able to do with Carson Wentz, seeing how they've been able to rebuild their defense. Yes, in Buffalo and Philadelphia, I think he has stamped his resume. He will be a guy that gets a head coaching job in 2018. I'm with you. Uh, like he's done a phenomenal job. I think you got to give uh, you got to give that offensive staff with Doug Peterson and Frank Reich a lot of credit as well, credit as well. Uh, they have the Eagles sitting with the best record in the league. Look like the best team in the league right now, to be honest. So it'll be interesting to see how this NFC shapes up the way the Saints are playing, the Vikings are playing, the Rams even in defeat. They're going to be around for a while, and the Eagles. It's going to be a fun race to follow. Well, Buck, we get together. I don't have to say happy Thanksgiving yet because I think we'll get together uh, and have a couple more. I think we have two more pods, right? I think we're, we're going to do a uh, Tuesday and a Wednesday pod this week. Yeah, I think Tuesday and Wednesday. That's when we're up. Yeah, so if you're, this is like a daily pod. If you wake up and you're listening to this on Monday, hey, don't fret. We got another one coming Tuesday and another one coming right after that on Wednesday. It's like we're doing a radio show here. Uh, we're doing it big. Big, big, big week I, for us. I do need to... Uh, I do need to tell all the guys guys and gals who have been listening to this pod for a while. You you are familiar with our producer, Sean Sullivan. We lovingly call him Sully. He works his butt off. He does a great job with our audio, does a great job with our video stuff that we do as well. He's just he's a part of the family here. And uh, he's had some he's had uh, some some family stuff he's been dealing with, so he's not here today. I uh, just want to tell him, I know he listens to the pod when he's not here, but I know, Bucky, you feel the same way I do. Uh, sending our, our thoughts and our prayers out to Sully right now. And, uh, uh, man, we, we miss him. Erica filled in. She's phenomenal. Did a great job. We appreciate her, her plugging in and helping us out today. But we're anxious to get our guy Sully back here. Yeah, absolutely. Going through a tough situation. We both are uh, throwing up all kinds of thoughts and prayers for Sully and his family during this time. Erica has been great. She's been an MVP fill in. You can't hear on the mic, but she's doing outstanding. So, yeah, we're, we're looking to get the family back together, get it rolling as we head into the holiday season. No doubt. Yeah, Erica, MVP, no question. Stepped up to the plate and uh, hit a home run for us. So, thank you, Erica. Sully, hurry up and get back here. We miss you, pal. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the pod. Thank you guys for subscribing. Thanks for leaving us those, uh, those ratings and reviews on iTunes. Much appreciated. And hopefully uh, you're listening to this on Monday. We'll catch you back here tomorrow on Move the Sticks. See you next time. 
Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.